Hello and welcome to Coffee with Candice. I'm your host, Candice Mama. Today's conversation is sure to challenge your thinking. I speak to Candice Horbacks, or better known as Eva Lovia. She is one of the biggest adult entertainers in the world. She also runs a business, she's a social influencer, and she holds her BA in psychology degree. This conversation, I'm sure, is going to be a riveting one, so please do listen and let me know what you think. As usual, please like, share, and subscribe, and without further ado, here's Candice. I'm so excited to be speaking to you, and I know you're so busy. You're raising your gorgeous son. You're running a business. You're entertaining the world. I mean, the fact that you took time to speak to me, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> oh, no. Thank you for like having me on your platform. Are you kidding? It's great. Oh, no. I've been so looking forward to this because when we spoke the last time, I was on your platform, as you said, and it was all about like my story, my sharing, and so on. And I just knew at that moment that there was so much I wanted to ask you and talk to you about. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know what? I think my listeners would benefit tremendously from this. And so selfishly, I asked you to come here. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. I'm more than happy to be here. Yeah, our podcast was great. I felt the same way. Like I could talk to you for hours. Oh, good, good. And speaking about talking for hours, we don't have hours. I want us to get into it. I already started it and I told everyone, you run a business, you're an adult entertainer, one of the best in the world, I should put in, and you also have your BA in psychology. So this is a very mixed bag of a human being in front of me. So do you want to start at the beginning? Like, how did you grow up and how did you get to this point? So... I feel like I, at a very young age, have always been curious when it came to sexuality and just like that expression and the freedom of expression. And um, I've always paid attention to women that kind of took control of it. Like I grew up watching like Pamela Anderson and Carmen Electra and, you know, the bunnies that were at the mansion. And I just like found that world so fascinating. Um, I had a bit of a turbulent childhood. My parents divorced at a young age. There was a lot of abuse. There was a lot of just um, absentees from both of them. So we kind of had to grow up like very early. Um, I had a boyfriend for way too long at way too young of an age and it kind of like stifled my independence and my growth. And I feel like when I finally rid myself of that relationship, because it wasn't really serving me in the healthiest way either, that that's when I kind of started looking into joining the adult industry. I was in school at the time as well. And for me, it was a way to find myself and express myself and kind of take control of my sexuality. And I know there's like a big misconception. It's like, you know, women are victims in that industry and there's no such thing as empowerment. But I think empowerment looks different across the board, right? Like some women are empowered by being modest and that's great. And some women are empowered by being um, more sexual and that's also great. So it's just knowing what is healthy for you. Um, So that's kind of how I got my start in the industry. And then I met my now husband while I was shooting. He's like the most supportive and confident man I've ever met. So he helped me kind of navigate any of like the turbulent aspects of the industry while like always being there for me. Um, So for me, I've had like a really good experience um, as far as like the industry goes like overall, but it's definitely, there's also a dark side, just like there is with everything else. Yeah. I I like the fact that you already started us by saying, you know, you had a choice in this matter. You decided it was something that was within you that you thought, this is something, a career path I'm looking at pursuing. And these are the avenues I can take to pursue it. Because I think there is this big um, idea around you know, every single woman in the industry. And I don't want to discredit those who have actually been victimized and pushed in. But uh, many, uh, there are others who really just want to be in the industry. And mm-hmm. speaking of which, so you spoke about your turbulent childhood. You spoke about, you know, this relationship that impacted you. When you were in those arenas, when you were still in your formative years and in this relationship, um, how did you get yourself into a place of saying, this is exactly it. This is my way out. Because I know a lot of people turn out one of two ways. They either end up being like you, successful, vibrant, alive, or they end up, you know, on the streets or taking substances or not being able to cope with their realities. So for you, how do you think you navigated that part? 
So I think part of it is just biology. Um, I can't like take all of the credit for it because I do have other siblings and the success story isn't there for everybody. Um, one of my siblings has like a very, what you would consider stereotypical um, situation com- when you compare it to our upbringing. Like it, it wouldn't surprise anyone. Like, sh- you know, they've been homeless several times and lots of kids and you know, living below poverty. It's just a very sad story. So I would say that some people are born with like a bigger threshold. um, And I think that's like a small part of it. And then for me personally, I just, I saw the adult examples around me and how unhappy they were with the decisions that they were making. So my decisions were to be financially independent. That was huge for me. Um, I never wanted to rely on anyone else because money is power when it comes to a relationship. So if you're completely dependent on someone financially, you don't have a voice. So I never wanted to rely on anyone for safety or security. So for that reason, like I had to be financially independent. Um, my some of my role models were also like overly sexual, like sexualized, you know, the way that they dressed and their demeanors. So for a long time, I kind of shied away from that just out of like rebellion. Like I didn't want to be like that person. So I stifled my own growth. And because of that, I had a lot of insecurities. So once like I kind of moved for university and like started to find myself was when I was like, okay, like this can be a healthy expression. And it, it is a very important part for everyone to kind of discover what that is for themselves. That's when I'm like, I'm just going to try this and see what happens. And I did a couple of scenes and I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And then I just never looked back. Oh, you said so many things that I think are so powerful for me. The first one is the financial power. And I Mm -hmm. think everything you just captured there, I think is so important because when you don't have, I know people, you know, we live in an age whereby there is almost, um, I think it's always been this way, but I find that the voice is getting louder now. Where there's like this, I don't even know if it's like um, an anger towards money or an anger towards abundance or an anger towards success, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth is we live in a world whereby money is what gets you by. And if you are dependent on another individual, as you said, your voice cannot be heard. You always have to depend on what mood are they in? How are they going to get you? Like, do I get food this month? Don't I get food this month? And I think that's a really important thing. Now, coming mm-hmm. into your, you know, you, you're in university and you shot your first couple of scenes and you're like, this is it. How mm-hmm. did that work? Was this like something that you went to go seek out? Did someone scout you? How exactly did that dynamic play out? So I had a similar start in the industry where, um, like you start with like webcamming because that's just from your house and it's like easy and it's by yourself and there's no like real big commitment. You can have like this false sense of anonymity. So usually a lot of girls get in that way. The dangerous part that happens is there's these like agents that are scouting these girls, right? And they're not reputable. They're not licensed. They're basically glorified pimps. So they find these girls that think that can make them a lot of money and they glamorize the industry and they're like, I'm going to fly you out. You're going to do all these scenes. You're going to be so famous, yada, yada. So one of these men met me online and set up a couple scenes um, with a really big company down in Florida. So the good thing is, is the company he set me up with was a very good one. I had a great experience. It was legitimate. But then he started to kind of like, I got I caught him in lies. He tried getting me to work with like very sketchy companies and I've never been a very agreeable person to my benefit. So when I start seeing things that kind of didn't sit well with me, I very quickly left that situation. Um, and then just started it being an independent like contractor for these companies. So I would just actively reach out, send pictures, um, give availability. And a lot of that is usually um, all you need to do. Unfortunately, sometimes, because you can be 18, which I think is re- a little too young to be in the industry, um, you're a little bit naive and a little bit too trusting. And then sometimes like these men take advantage and they're like, well, you need to like test the scene with me. Like that's never a thing. So if anyone ever, like if you're listening and you're in the industry, you're thinking about it, like that's not a thing. Um, so you never have to get physical with anybody for a scene. Like that's not professional. Like it doesn't seem like the most professional industry, but it's a multi-billion dollar industry and there are professionals in it. Um, so you just have to navigate it very carefully. Hmm. It's, so interesting because I think the scene that you just painted, I think is how almost everyone believes the industry runs, right? That mm-hmm. these men kind of, you know, um, 
almost groom these young girls into the industry. And I actually very much agree with you that 18 is too young. And I always say this to people. I'm like, I don't care like what someone chooses to do for a living. I just want them to be in the right frame of mind and be doing it for the right reasons. Absolutely. I think right now, and I want your opinion on this actually, um, a lot of young girls are, you know, of course, because of COVID, everyone's at home, people are losing jobs, et cetera. A lot of young girls, 18, you know, 17, 18, 19, you know, in that age age range when you don't know yourself, you don't actually know if you want to be on camera. You don't know what you like. You don't know what you don't like. You haven't been around long enough. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And discovered a platform like OnlyFans and they're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm just going to put this stuff out there and make a little bit of money. What do you think about that? Like, what's your opinion on it? Uh, I, my advice is don't do it. (laughs) So a lot of people would think I'm a hypocrite because I, like you said, I am one of the top um, performers in the industry worldwide period. So like, I'll be like, how dare she, you know, like she's successful. I'm the exception and not the rule when it comes to the industry. So there are great success stories. There's very business minded men and women that turn this into a brand um, and a platform for other things. But if you're doing it just to pay bills, it's not worth it. There is so much societal fallout that you have to deal with. Um, and there's family fallout. And it just, whatever money you make, you're going to lose in the future. If you aren't an entrepreneur and you don't, do, if you don't plan on making it like your career or a platform for you to build something else on your own, like I can never go be a teacher. I can never go work at an insurance agency, like whatever, like these very normal careers that people do, like I wouldn't be hired. Right. So I have to firmly believe that I'm going to be able to like make this a long-term path for myself. Um, when I got into the industry, I was in my twenties and I still didn't know how hard it was going to hit me. Like it's affected, um, my husband's career and he's not even in the industry. So it's affected my mom's career. And she's obviously like, she doesn't participate at all in any aspect of my decision-making. Um, so you just have to know, like people think that there is going to be anonymity and that if I create a fake name or only fans, you can't search. Like I promise you there's, if there's a will, there's a way and someone will find you and they will share it because that's what people do. Um, so if you're going to do it, don't do it as a means to an end. Like it has to be like your passion at the time. And then I fully support you, but there's other ways to make money, like get a second job, ask for help from like your circle. But I would say like, just don't do it unless it's a career. Wow. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people would say, like, you know, how dare she? How dare she mm-hmm. say this? But I love that you pointed out that you are the exception. And mm-hmm. that's the truth. And you are one of the top grossing and you're one of the top performing stars in the industry. And that is not easy because I know I read a statistic somewhere, which could be completely a little bit off, but like millions of girls go into this industry, right? They submit tapes or uh, maybe they send a new to the wrong guy or whatever it is. Like they, it ends up in the industry or in the porn world or the adult entertainment world. And a lot of girls think, oh, I, you know, I'm going to take the small moment and I'm going to try and make it a career. And then they have to deal with societal fallout when it doesn't pan out. Because like you said, you came in business-minded, you came in very resolute, and you had a lot of, in some ways, you could call it maybe luck because, you know, you're, you're not an agreeable person. So you're like, no, nope, <laughs> I'm not doing mm-hmm. that. Whereas mm-hmm. I think a lot of young women who do enter this industry are going to be like, oh, you know, I, if he says it, and I trust this man that I've never, ever met in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. then it must be true. And I just love that you put it into context that you are an exception. You are Mm -hmm. an exception to this. And so you also spoke about how this has really impacted your husband, you know, your family, I'm sure friends, acquaintances, whatever, you know, it may be. And for you, you know, being so successful and people also looking at your industry as such a taboo, right? Like no Mm -hmm. one's going to come up to you and be like, hey, I know you. (laughs) You It's very rare. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm sure you can tell, like if someone is like staring at you, you're like, that person probably knows me. A hundred percent. It's actually surprising. Like, um, I'll get like a, a decent amount of people that are brave and they'll come up and ask for a photo or just say that they're a fan. Um, usually it's actually more often women than men, which I think is so interesting to me. Um, but I'll, most of the time it's kind of like they stare at you like you're a zoo animal and you know that they prove who you are. It's like, this would just be better for everyone if you just like came and just said hi, instead of just like looking from afar. Um, But I get it. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so interesting. But I want to actually know, because we spoke about it a little bit the last time, which is, you know, you've got a very large social media following as well. And people sometimes just follow you to really be mean spirited. And mm-hmm. I want to know, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Especially being a spiritual person, you're an empath, we're going to get into that. But how do you deal with people just coming to consistently troll you? So I feel like it's, um, it's a conscious effort every day. Like, it's not like I can say I figured out this way and I'm just always Zen and like, I, no one can pierce this bubble. Like there's times where I'm a lot, I'm a m- more emotionally strong than others. So I can like scroll through and just try to filter out the negativity and only respond to people that are like being positive and adding to the conversation. But there are times when someone says something like so just ugly that I feel like I have to respond because in my mind, I think I can make them see the light, which is never going to happen, right? Like we can't change people, especially someone we don't know. Um, That usually ends up biting me in the butt because then it's just like, it just swarms on, like it almost like exponentially grows on top of each other because then other trolls kind of come in. So I just try to say like, none of these people know me. The one like truly know me, the ones that are giving me positive feedback or negative feedback. So I think the healthiest way to look at it is to not really let either affect you. Like don't let the positivity like blow up your ego and then don't let the negative negativity like break you down. So if you let others define your character and like your self-worth, that's a very dangerous place to be. I think that you have to be in control of that and always like exploring who you are like internally and then like the people that are closest to you and truly know like you and your soul. And that's the healthiest place to be. So we all get sucked in because we all want love and we all want praise, but it's very important to like kind of disconnect and then realize it's all fake, right? Like that none of that is substance. Um, And it's not to like say like, I don't appreciate fans because obviously I do, but you can't let them shift your reality, if you will. Oof. And it actually Mm. leads me into my next question, self-worth, right? Um, Mm. Being in the industry that you're in, uh, people having strong opinions about you, whether they know you don't know, you hear it through the grapevine, you know, you're Mm. going to take your kids to school and the mother's going to be acting some type of way. How do you, you know, keep your self-worth strong? How do you keep yourself in a place that says, you know, mm -mm, that's got nothing to do with me, it's projection or it's about that person? So that took a really long time as well to get to a healthy mind space with that. A lot of times I would take it personally and I'd be like, why don't they like me? They don't know me. Um, And it's like you said, it's just, it's all projection. So it comes back to like that whole like Simon Sinek, like know your why. So I know my why, like I know why I made the decisions that I made. I know who I am as a person. Um, All these decisions like I made have been very thought out and with like good intention. I've never hurt anybody. I've never made decisions um, intentionally that have like affected other people in like such a way. Like everything has been thought out and with good intent. Someone thinks that I'm going to negatively affect their children. Well, they need to like kind of do some more introspection on themselves because I'm not like sitting here trying to recruit people to the industry. Like I just said, like don't do it, right? For most people, I always say just don't do it. Um, But I think we live in a culture where sexuality is so repressed that anyone that doesn't go along with that narrative is a threat to like their, their way of thinking and living. Um, so I just try to like know that, like tell myself, I know it's not about me have like, if anything, just like a little bit of like sadness for them. Right. Because like how, where are they if emotionally, if they're going to let a complete stranger negative, negatively affect their day. Um, so I just try to like, you know, water off my back and not, not really let it affect me either way. Oh, and it is important. I think it's especially important the more you grow, right? And mm-hmm. I don't think it's just in the adult entertainment industry. I think it's in any industry where you become successful. You become yeah. like a billboard. You become a bigger target for people. Because now like when you respond, for example, going back to the earlier conversation, to like a troll, right? It's mm-hmm. like a lion barking at like a chihuahua. And mm-hmm. then everyone's like, oh, I got her attention. Yay. And mm-hmm. so they pile it on. So there's nothing you can do right. Or that's <laughs> just going to be like, right. it's just like, she responded. Yay. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of have to be yourself. And like, again, just like not let other people tell you who you are because they don't know at the end of the day, like only, you know, that. And again, like all my, just all of my actions that I guess are like up for debate, whether they're good or bad 
eyes of society and parents and whatever, like all of the sex I've had has been consensual. It's been with adults, like, and it's been like professional. I think a lot of people are so uncomfortable with the industry because they think it's just like a free for all, but there's like testing every 14 days. Like there's a crew, like it's not as unsanitary, I think, as some people think it is. Um, and I think the problem too is when we just like blanket paint everything with like a negative um, connotation, we can't actually address the issues, right? Like if everything's bad, then nothing is bad. So you have to be able to separate my experience in the industry, which is with mostly very professional companies um, versus some girls that get sucked into like really sketchy situations. Um, and if you treat them as the same, you're not going to be able to identify the problem. So I think we could do a lot of growth and like help a lot of women that need it if we were to actually focus on the industry a little bit, even though it makes us uncomfortable. Oh, I love that you actually segued into that because that was going to be my next question, which is, you know, because society is so afraid to just speak about this thing, something that we all were created through, something that is so healthy. And as you said, it's repressed, right? It's because we are taught to repress our own sexuality. It's almost um, a direct uh, fight against us when we see people who embrace it. It's like we take it so personally. And speaking about the issues in the industry, what do you think can be done in order to, I don't want to use the word police because it's got such a negative connotation, but in order to lay enough laws into the industry that it actually does protect the workers. And because I've heard so many stories about a girl will, you know, make a company millions and she got paid like $3,000 once off, you know, so how. That would be a lot. Just so you know, that would be a lot for some people. If I told you some stories, your mind would be blown. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. So what do you think needs to be done? Like where should the conversation be going? So I think that there needs to be a 21 and up rule, like just across the board. I don't think at 18, 19, even 20, like you have any understanding of the ripple effect of that decision. Um, I would like, again, I was like 21, I think when I got in and I still didn't really know. I work again. I'm the exception. It worked out very well for me, but it was very difficult. Like I had some of my childhood friends that just completely abandoned me because they thought it was immoral. So you don't know who's going to support you and who's not until it actually comes out. So that's the first thing. Um, I think that the unfortunate part is the industry for the most part is a bit of a monopoly. So that doesn't really give a lot of um, power to the performers. So if something goes wrong on a set, if you don't kind of go along with it or pretend that nothing happened, then it's very easily to be blacklisted and that your career is over. Um, So there has to maybe be, it's going to sound ridiculous, but almost like an HR that's on every set that should be a woman that's independently contracted, doesn't work for the companies. Um, that way if they're, cause again, it's a very sensitive thing, right? Like we're, it's sex. So anything can go wrong. Consent isn't always obvious. Um, especially when there's a room of sometimes like 20 men, right? Like with cameraman and lighting and the director, there's very few women on set. So if something happens and makes you feel uncomfortable, biologically, most women are agreeable. That's just a fact. So she's not going to feel safe or in a position to say, this is wrong. I felt um, like you were taking advantage, whatever the situation, right? She's not going to speak up. So there needs to be like an independent HR person that's ideally a woman um, that checks that person out and is there for the whole scene to make sure everything is like kosher. So I think that would be, um, that would be huge. And then also just like some sort of like, they've tried doing it where it's almost like a union. I'm not usually a big fan of unions because those get really tricky, but in this situation, it might actually be beneficial because a lot of these women also don't have access to mental health care and they don't know how to save their money. And again, like there's so much societal fallout that even someone who goes in with a pretty sound mind, it's very easy for you to like slip into a depression or get a social anxiety because you have so many people attacking you and saying what you're doing is wrong. Um, So yeah, I think that those are like the three biggest things to tackle and I think would make a huge difference. Jeez. And what do you, why do you think it is that, I mean, after all these years, right? I mean, the internet's been around for a very long time. Um, Platforms like Pornhub and others like it have been around for an incredibly long time. And like you said, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Why is it that 
corporates or governments aren't stepping in and saying, let us protect these women? Like, is it the taboo, do you think it is? Or are they benefiting from not protecting the women? So I think part of it's being taboo. I think part of it, um, it's going to sound bad, but I think a part of it is people just don't care about people in that industry. They just assume that they're um, from like a lower socioeconomic background and that at the end of the day, there's other, you know, um, there's other issues to tackle. But something I think we can all get behind is something like something is like child trafficking, right? Or child um, abuse videos. And these happen because a lot of these mega companies don't have like, uh, like a filtration process, right? Like they just let anyone upload a video. So like something like that should be regulated. Like you shouldn't be able to just upload any video without any paperwork, without any identification, without any video of consent. I mean, there's just a lot of shit that can kind of happen, right? Like that's no one wants to talk about it, but like, let's talk about kids. We can all agree on trying to protect children, right? Um, so we have like this weird um, ideology, I think, especially in the states where we want like a no government control at all. And I'm I'm team small government all day, but I think that there needs to be some law and some regulation, right? We need that to have a society. So it's not to say that you can censor a company or not, but it's to have certain regulations that are protecting minors or protecting people that aren't consenting. So um, I think paywalls are huge. I don't believe in free explicit material. I think it's very um, irresponsible and it's also very unsafe. So regulation paywalls and it's tough again because you have servers that are international so how do you regulate that so in order for legislation to get passed we have to first have the conversation we have to be comfortable with talking about sex and the fact of the matter is is Pornhub for example gets the number one amount of traffic in the world daily right daily it's like it, like no one is even close to to the numbers that they're pulling in. So clearly there's a lot of consumption happening. So if we can consume it, we can talk about it. Oof, that is powerful. That is Sound like, bite. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, uh-huh. yeah, that is it. <laughs> no, and I, I thank you for sharing this knowledge with us because I think this is so important, especially for these young girls that are thinking about entering the industry that are looking at people like you um, and maybe not listening to someone like Amir Khalifa, whose work I've seen, like, um, you know, he's, her interviews I've seen in bits and pieces about, you know, how she's been banned from Lebanon and other countries and how, you know, all these people and how little she actually made for what the fallback was. She actually mm-hmm. really didn't profit much. And I think there is this misconception that, oh, she made millions and millions and now she should suffer for the rest of her life for it. And it's mm-hmm. like, she did not make a lot of money and she speaks out against the industry. So for you, when people speak out against the industry who've been in it, like Amir Khalifa, what is your stance on that? Do you feel, do you support it or do you just think, you know, she, she just had a bad experience? So I think every, it's, it's important to mention that everyone has their own experience. And if I'm not there, I can't speak to the validity of it. Um, um, it's very possible to have a bad ex- like I've had several like my reputation in the industry is that of like a very difficult woman and I'd wear that as a badge of honor and that simply is because I say no I say no a lot um, and I think more women need to say no so with Mia's situation from what I've heard um, her scene that was very controversial was she wore a hijab and I'm sorry like in this day and age you know that's kind of wrong right you know that's wrong Um, so of course you're going to get a lot of shit for it. So I think she has a really bad taste in her mouth because she doesn't want to take accountability for her participation. I also think that she, you know, she probably was maybe blinded by wanting to get famous. And again, she's still using her porn name. So how like she is making money off of her negative experience with the industry. So I don't think that she's been completely honest about the entire situation. Um, I think she's said that she, like 3000 for a scene. And again, that's very high. Like there's maybe three girls in the industry that can command that kind of price. So some girls are getting like, I mean, $600 a scene and that like, that's like average. It's crazy. So yeah, it's not a lot of money, but you can also dictate what you want. Like I've, I've gotten paid 15 grand for a scene because I've asked for it. Do you know what I mean? So women need to kind of like start standing. I've, I say this and it's going to be controversial, but I feel like you can't, no one can make you a victim but yourself, right? So someone can do 
awful things to you, but where you are and what you do with that is going to determine whether you're a champion or a victim of your circumstance. So it doesn't make what they did right, but you still have power in that situation. I don't care what situation it is. You can take your power back. So yeah, there's a lot that can go wrong with the industry, but only what you allow. Like you can always leave. You can always say no. You can always command a different price. Um, if so, I showed up to a scene and someone's like, you're going to put on this hijab and do a scene with all these guys. I'd be like, you're out of your mind. Like, absolutely not. And I've had similar situations where they try to like over-racialize a scene or just do something I'm just not comfortable with. And I've always said no. And I've walked out of sets. Like, and again, it, I did very well for myself. They still hired me, even though I was difficult. Um, so it's not to say that women don't have bad experiences. They definitely exist. But what you do with that, I think, is more important. Oof. And thank you for that clarity and that another you know, thing that you said, which is accountability. Um, and that's where I want to actually move us to, which is you know, to get to a place where you understand that you have the power. Not many people in this life get there, right? Not mm-hmm. a lot of people will ever get to a point where they say, oof, I've hated my situation for five years, 10 years, 20 years. Um, I've lived under the shadow of this, whatever that is. That could be, you know, my dad or my mom did this or I got, you know, this happened to me. Um, And people can live under that story forever and it can hold Mm -hmm. them hostage forever. So when did you come to terms with accountability, with that personal accountability of, you know what, Candace, I'm not a victim? So it took me a really long time, just like most people that have had like that transcendence. Um, My situation, I actually got really sick. So I was probably um, in my early 20s. I can't remember what age, but I started like losing a lot of weight. Like, and I was so hungry. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I felt like I had the flu all of the time. I got down to 90 pounds, like like nine zero, like skeleton. So finally, um, I go to the hospital cause my resting heart rate was like over 200. Like I was about to like have a heart attack basically. Um, I had a really progressive, um, stage of Graves disease, which is a hyperthyroid, but it, it literally can kill you. So, uh, it's an autoimmune disease. A lot of people in the spiritual world will say it's caused by trauma, um, or like not using your voice, like there's some kind of like uh, blockage happening spiritually. So that kind of like forced me to like look at my surroundings and how I was like looking at everything. Like I was miserable. I was angry. I was blaming a lot of people. I was blaming my parents, blaming my mom. Um, And of course, like there were things that I would never do as a parent that they did. Right. But again, like I was like living under this rock of blame. Like it's I was not in charge of my decisions and the reason that I was broke was this reason. The reason that I was angry was this reason. Like nothing had to do with like me and my accountability. So when I kind of tried to like reframe the way that I looked at the world, right? Like I don't have to be angry. Like, yes, that stuff happened in the past and that's fine, but I can either focus on that or I can focus on the life that I want to build. And luckily enough, like my husband now um, at the time, like he's just like, he looks at the world with just like such like positivity and beauty so light like I've almost never met someone who's just so light and he helped me kind of see like it doesn't have to be that way and I'll be here while you go through that um so he was a huge like role in my transformation but it was just like do I want to be angry and I believe in like um like transgenerational trauma I feel like there's almost like stories that get passed down from parent to child to grandchild and it keeps getting bigger and louder until someone breaks that cycle. So I figured I could either perpetuate that cycle and pass it on to my kids or I could be the one that breaks it and I just chose to be the one that broke it. Wow. I mean, everything you said is just wow, wow, wow. Um, (laughs) I completely agree with everything you said. I agree with transgenerational trauma and I also agree with You know, I think we have similarities in that sense, whereby I also got very sick, where I was holding this, you know, and what I always say to people is the irony with trauma or pain is when you've experienced a painful situation, no matter what it is, if it's really painful, people will actually almost allow you to be a terrible person. People Mm -hmm. will always justify your terrible behavior. They'll say, oh, don't worry about Candace, her dad died. Don't worry about this person. This happened. And so if you don't get to a point in your life where you say, 
I'm tired. I'm, I'm, my body is physically tired and my mind is tired. I'm tired of things constantly happening to me and not for me because that's the mm -hmm. attitude, right? It's life happens to me. My boss is terrible. My family's terrible. My this is terrible. My dad is. And you're like, have you noticed that you are like the common denominator in all the terribleness yes. in your life? Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And did you find that when you came into this place of looking at your life from a different angle, it changed your friendship groups? It changed the kind of people you gravitated towards? That kind of thing. Did it change your the people, I wanted to say? 100%. Um, I, I truly believe like, like attracts like. So if you're in a negative space, you're going to attract more problems and more people with like similar situations that you find yourself in. And then if you live in a positive space, then again, like everything's going to happen like for you and not to you. Um, like a pretty crazy story. Like some people are just going to think I'm crazy after saying this, but we did this, um, alpha brainwave training for like a week. And it was probably like 16 hours a day that we were doing this like brain training. It was very intense, very immersive. And it focused a lot on forgiveness work. So you basically, you'll focus on one person and you go through every transgression that they've done, like the smallest to the largest. And you know that you've had like a clearing with that person when there's no longer like that feeling in your chest when you think of that wrongdoing, right? Like it's clear, like you're light and you're like, you find a way to look at this person with love, even though like they might have done something awful to you. So we do this for an entire week. Um, I literally left that place feeling physically lighter. Like I could float, like it was the, tr the craziest, trippiest feeling, like going back into reality after that. My thyroid started to level out without medication. Like I told my doctor that I just stopped taking it. And he's like, no, 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 you can't do that. We have to do blood work. And he did the blood work and it was fine. And he didn't know how. Um, I was told I couldn't get pregnant. I got pregnant shortly after. Um, everything just started clearing up. I've never been more financially successful without having to try like as hard as I have when I wasn't. It's just my marriage has never been better. I found like a new circle of women that are all very strong and independent and entrepreneurial that, you know, just kind of seem to fall out of the sky. So with all the work that I did on myself, it just like had this massive butterfly effect that I can't even begin to like describe the benefits of. Oof. Mm -hmm. I mean, that sounds like an incredible journey. And I can believe yeah. it because it's, what you hold in your mind, right? Uh, whatever that may be, whatever thought it is, because for most of us, it goes so deep. And most mm -hmm. of it goes back to one thing, worthiness, right? The reason we angry at people, they challenge our worthiness. When people hurt us, it's our worthiness that's in question. It's constantly that if I was worthy of love, my dad wouldn't have done this. If I was worthy, this wouldn't have happened to me. If I was worthy, whatever that may be. And when you reprogram that and you're like, it doesn't matter what I do, what I say, I'm always worthy. And when you release that anger and resentment and you just understand that people are who they are and it's got nothing to do with you and you allow yourself to receive love. Because I spoke to a, a gentleman, his name is Kendall Gears, and he spoke about how before he healed himself, love, healthy love felt claustrophobic to him. And so he would run from it and it would be like so just uncomfortable. And so when you speak about this experience, I think I think it works. I think it's so, mm -hmm. you know, like, I, mean, I mean, look at you doing your podcast, being successful, building your spiritual business. Speaking of which, what is your business centered on? What is, you know, what were you thinking when you created this new brand, this new business that's so centered on spirituality? So I was really nervous to kind of like dive into that because I knew what people were going to judge me for it and say I was unqualified um, and be like, you know, why does she think she's a philosopher, which I don't. I definitely don't. Like I'm still very much learning everything there is to learn. Um, I particularly focused on like a lot of spirituality. I even posted on like my other account that's mostly adult stuff because I'm trying to like sneak it in there a little bit. Um, I think as a society, our attention has been focusing on like unhealthy things for a very long time. Like if you post a picture of your butt on Instagram, it's going to get a hundred times more likes than if you post something that's going to be, you know, maybe self-improvement content or spirituality based, whatever it is. And that's not to say like, go ahead, go enjoy like your butts and your fast cars and whatever pages that are 
like superficially feeding you, that's great. But you also need to like feed the substance, right? Like you need to give your body substance. So for me, spirituality has had such a big impact on my life. I would have always said it was woo-woo. I would have probably picked on people like myself too in the past. Like I just, it, I didn't discover it till later in life. So if I can be someone that inspires someone to just be curious about it, like I'm never trying to like shift someone's belief system, but if I can just get someone curious and then they do the research themselves and they find it on themselves and that's like so powerful. And I'm, I feel like a a sense of fulfillment from that where my previous career, like there is some fulfillment, don't get me wrong, but it's not the same. So I'm just trying to find something that like my mind can hopefully inspire other people to have a more beautiful life. Oh, I love that. And I do notice that on your page, um, you sneak in like once in a while, like something thoughtful and something (laughs) thought provoking. Uh (laughs) Now that I have your attention, (laughs) read this. But I think it's so clever and I think that's what adds to your business acumen. You understand this, right? You're not trying to fight what pe- what you know people are going to want. You're not like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm just read this, read this, right? Because none of us respond to that. No one responds mm-hmm. to someone being smacked with a Bible. It's like, no. show, me, <laughs> show me the results. Show me how you did it. <laughs> right. Maybe I'll think about it. Maybe. And so you, you're speaking about like, you know, you, this business and how it brings you alive. Are you looking at transitioning into this at a more full-time basis or how do you see this playing out in your ideal, you know, visualized future? Oh man. So I think it's important to find like role models or like people that can maybe like represent like your higher self. So like what your goals are for like 10, 20 years. So for mine would be like a mashup between like Giselle Bündchen and Gwyneth Paltrow. So I particular particularly gravitate towards Giselle because she was the sex icon, right? Like she was literally nicknamed the body. So we like don't even give her the dignity of a name. Like she was nicknamed the body. So people are like, you're a supermodel. Why are you talking about spirituality? And why are you talking about saving the planet? And why are you talking about um, yoga? What are you like her page now is very spiritual. And she's like, I'm not a supermodel. It was something I did right? Like it was a job. Like that isn't me. That doesn't define me. It was a job. So I really connect with that because people are like, oh, well, you're a porn star. Well, what does that mean? Right? Like, are you your job? Like if you are spiritual, right? Like you're none of these things. Like these things are just existent and you did them, but they're not you. Like, right? Like you're the observer and all of these things. Um, so I loved that she kind of like took, again, it goes back to taking your power back, right? Like she wouldn't let someone say like who she was, what her worth was. She's like, I'm so much more than the body. So for me, it's like, I'm so much more than just my body. So yeah, like my body's on the internet and I'm not ashamed of that. It just is, but I'm also all these other things. I have all these other interests. So Long term, I would love to like have like a really big spiritual platform where I'm, you know, I have people that are actually engaged in listening. And then eventually I would love to do something like what Paltrow is doing where she has like this mega company that also touches on spirituality and wellness. Um, so kind of like a nice little mashup of the two. Oh, I love that. And mm-hmm. again, you know, the, you're not what you do, right? But it's only mm-hmm. in very particular industries where people take that stance, you know, so they can say to you like, but you are an adult entertainer, but you are, you know, a supermodel, but no one goes, but you're a mechanic. Why are you speaking about, you know, it's like, huh? No, it'd be the most idiotic, like, argument. What, what does that have to do with the conversation? It has nothing to do with the conversation. Um, and the thing that I think is so interesting too, uh, there was like this little meme that was going around that I saw on Instagram and it compared like being a porn star to like being a baker. So it's like this one person's eating cake and they're like, I love cake so much. And then this baker comes out and he goes, Oh, I bake cakes and sell them. And then they're like, Oh, how dare you, you monster. And it's like the same thing, right? Like you have sex and you enjoy sex. That's most people. But because I'm including money in the equation, all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, pump the brakes. We're not okay with this anymore. Don't cross the line right here. Right? Like stay in your bubble. Um, so I find that to be so interesting. And it feeds into, I think for me, what I find very fascinating is whenever you speak about topics of sexuality, um, as a woman, as a young woman, whatever woman you are, um, and people come at you and they attack you and they're like, no, but that is da 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 da. I'm always like, 
so you don't have sex? Is, is that mm-hmm. what you're telling me? And they're like, no, but you're not allowed to speak about it. I'm like, who said patriarchy? Is that what you're supporting? And these are like the staunchest feminists, right? These are people who mm-hmm. I'm a feminist. I will fight for feminine right, like anything, female empowerment. And then at the same time, turn around and treat people who are in any form of adult entertainment, whether it's, you know, on film or they're choosing to do it, you know, as escorts, whatever it is. I'm mm-hmm. like, but if this is a woman who is of her own volition, she's choosing and she's not being forced, she's not being pumped out. And she's saying, I want to do this. Then why mm-hmm. are you judging? Because I find, I, and I want to hear from your experience. Do you find that you judge more harshly by women? Because I find that when I engage in sexual conversation, it's women who are the worst. Men are like, okay, yeah, whatever, man, you do you. And women are like, you terrible human being. There's like so many, so it's so confusing. Like the whole, I feel like feminism is just so unknown right now. Like no one has the same definition for what it is, right? It can mean something completely different to you, to me, to someone, you know, that's on social media. Like we, no one's going to completely agree on what that means. So some women think that women in my line of industry were perpetuating, um, like the over-sexualization of our, uh, of like, you know, of the women gender and we're just falling into these gender norms and we're actually powerless. And I think that's a bunch of nonsense. Um, and then there's other women that they feel like when you are more sexual and you're more open with your sexuality, it makes them kind of invalidated if they're also not that. So it's almost like if I'm living over here, then it's me saying that by you being over there that you're wrong. And it's not right. Like I said, like both can be, two things can be true at once, right? Like you can feel empowered in being a virgin and waiting till you're married and being, you know, completely modestly dressed. And you can be empowered if you are sexually open and you want to go have sex with a different guy every night and that's your prerogative, right? It's whatever your healthy boundaries are. Um, And I think a lot of it too is a threat. For some reason, women think that because some women are more sexually open that they're going to like steal their man or their partner, whatever. And it's like not really how it works, right? Like I still have like my own moral compass. Like I'm not going to sleep with a married man. Like I'm not going to sleep with someone who's spoken for in, for lack of better words. Um, that's just not in my wheelhouse, right? And if someone's going to cheat, they're going to cheat. And it doesn't have to do with that woman over there. It has to do with your partner. And then in, rather than wanting to face the lack of trust that you have in your relationship, which is what's actually happening, you want to put that blame somewhere else because that's more comfortable because that doesn't, that's not poking holes at your foundation of a relationship. So I think you need to focus on like, where is this feeling coming from? Why do I feel threatened? And it's going to have nothing to do with that other woman. It's going to have to do with your relationship. Oh, I think a lot of people are going to be triggered by that. (laughs) (laughs) I think so too. But you know what, if you're feeling something, then that means that there's some truth there, right? And the best thing you can do is accept that feeling and address that feeling. And then you'll be a, a better couple for it, right? So if you explore these vulnerabilities, then you can make them stronger. But if you just ignore them, it's not going to make them go away. If anything, it just makes them get bigger, in my opinion. I love it. I love it. How do you stay so grounded, Candice? Because I love speaking to you because you are someone who's just so incredibly grounded in yourself, in your life. And I love that. So what are some of the practices you incorporate into your life that just keep you so like, uh. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. That's such a compliment coming from you. Um, I would say the biggest things for me, it's going to, people are going to be like, this girl. Um, we have a shaman. So we see him like once a month and he just helps us with like a lot of uh, meditative practices. To me, that's like so therapeutic. We just had a girl's like moon party and we rented out a salt cave and we did like a an hour long meditation there. Uh, meditating is really, really powerful to me. Reading and like following people that I guess are telling truths and ex- like exploring curious topics. So trying not to get sucked in by anything that's like too polarizing, which is um, knowing my thresholds. So I know if I'm on social media for too long, it's going to be physically draining. And then I'm going to actually start seeing things in a more negative frame. So like, I'll be like, that person's a dick. Why are they doing that? I'm angry. Like, I'm like, wait, this isn't me. So also like 
you know, taking time away from screens um, and working out, like working out is huge for me. If I don't move every single day, like I get like a buildup of energy and then I am more likely to like not be in such a pleasant mood. So like meditation, movement, and being like really conscious of what you're absorbing as far as like materials go. Oh, I love that. And I think everything is important, right? Like I would take all of that. And the only thing I'd probably add in my practice is gratitude, you know, which I'm sure you also do. Um, Oh, yeah. It's like, it's so important because like you're saying, when you log on to social media, if you don't know your threshold, which many people aren't aware of, you Mm -hmm. will start scrolling and being like, oh, why does she have a six pack? Oh, why is this person in Bali? (laughs) You're like, what? Why are you even mm-hmm. doing this? Like being in Bali does not discredit you. You can buy a ticket, go to Bali. <laughs> yeah, totally. I find myself too, like I'm not like a really envious person. I think that's such an ugly trait. This one person I was talking to was actually Andrew. Um, he was saying that when people get jealous or envious, it's because you have a lack of vision for your own future. And I was like, wow, that's so powerful. So every time you're like, why do they have this car? And I don't, it's saying like, I'm not capable of that success. Right. So like you have to re again, reframe it and say like, no, I can do whatever I want to do. I have to work really hard. I have to educate myself. And like, these are the actual steps I have to take about that car. Um, so instead of being envious, like focus on like, what can I do to get there? Cause that seems fun, right? Like we can both have that car. Him, life is not a zero sum game. So just because someone is successful, they're not directly taking success away from you. If anything, they probably have a great blueprint and you should probably ask them how they got there. And then you can both be where you want to be. I love that. I love that. Especially with social media today, right? Like where people Mm -hmm. have this mentality that I have to be, I have to be the only one. And I'm like, but don't you think that would be lonely? Like who would want to be the only Mm -hmm. one? Like that's just such a lonely path. Whereas if you can Mm -hmm. contribute to someone else being better, shifting their perspective like you're doing um, and, you know, using your page to do that. And, you know, you'll post about numerology or you'll post about, you know, whatever spiritual practice. And, you know, it may not reach everyone, but when Mm -hmm. it's the right person, isn't that the most fulfilling part? Because that person is so much better because you posted that, right? And it is, it's such a, we're living in a very interesting time. I'll put it that way. Very interesting. <laughs> yes. I hope everyone's journaling because your grandkids and great grandkids are going, I'm going to want to learn firsthand from your experience. They're not going to believe any of it. <laughs> none of it. None of it. And Candace, you know, I hate to close this because like I say, I could speak to you forever, but if you could go back to 18 year old you, and you could tell yourself anything, what would you say? Everything is going to be just fine. (laughs) I know, I know it's either like really cheesy or like really sad, but yeah, I think I had a lot of anxiety and I had a lot of like low self-worth and self-evaluation and I just thought the future was going to be not very great for me. Um, So yeah, that's what I would have would have said to little little young me. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and I think everything went more than fine. <laughs> yes, yes. Doing great. Oh, Candace, thank you so much again for taking time out of your day and your busy life to speak to me. It has been such a privilege and just so informative. Well, thank you for having me. I had a great time. I loved this conversation. I'm so grateful to Candace for not only sharing of herself so vulnerably, but for also showing us that not everyone's experience is the same. If you've taken away anything from this episode, please be sure to comment with your favorite quote. I had so many. And as usual, if you like this episode, please like, share and subscribe and I'll see you soon.